I want to go to the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew to start out this morning. And uh, the, the thoughts, uh, and there's, there's, there are several areas I'm going to try to cover. So uh, as my wife tells me sometimes, you better get to the meat and potatoes pretty quick because sometimes you, you lag behind and it takes a while to get there. So uh, <clears throat> I do want to get to the meat and potatoes pretty quick. But in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, it says, and at that time, Jesus, 25th verse, and at that time, Jesus answered and said. Now, in the book of Luke, we don't have it recorded in Matthew. In the book of Luke, there is a series of events that happens between his chastising the cities above here, which was a severe chastisement for their rejection of, of, their, uh, of, of these cities of Christ. I mean, they, they just rejected his gospel. They rejected his service. They rejected everything about him, and, and, God, and he pronounced a woe on them. And then, what we don't have recorded in Matthew, we have in Luke. And then it says that, and at that time, the 70 that Jesus had sent out came back to the Lord, and that they, uh, they were rejoicing, saying that the, even the spirits, the devils, are subject to us through thy name. You know, because they, 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 were, they were understood, they had no power to cast out devils, with the exception that God uh, had given it to them. And, uh, and so the Lord Jesus Christ told them concerning that, that uh, I have given thee all power to do this. You can, you can also tread on serpents. You can take up, uh, t- tread on serpents and scorpions. You know, and, and, and a lot of times this is where your snake handlers come in. They, they think that they still retain this type of power. If, if the snake handlers retain this type of power, they still have power to cast out devils in the name of Christ. Uh, and they will never have to go and get any anti-venom. All right? These, these people had no... When Paul shook the serpent off that come uh, up him out of the fire after his shipwreck, and all those natives on that island were, were amazed. <laughs> they thought, first of all, because he survived the shipwreck and he got bit by the snake, they said, surely this man is a murderer. He survived the shipwreck. Now the snake got him. There, there's got to be some kind of you know, we call the word karma today, some kind of providence in this. Well, when they saw him shake the snake off, then they thought, he's got to be some kind of God. He's not dead. It don't take long for people to change their opinion about you. Because the, 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 the serpent was a deadly one. Paul shook it off, did not get any anti-venom. Uh, we do not handle snakes today. Uh, we don't have the power to do the things that the apostles. So that's rabbit trail. i got to get back on. So now here we go. So the disciples come back and Christ says, I give you the power to do these things. He said, only rejoice not that you have power to to cast out devils. He said, but I want you to rejoice in that your names are written in heaven. They don't say they might be. He doesn't say they can be. He says they are written there. And then it says, and Jesus rejoiced in that same hour in the book of Luke. And then we turn here to Matthew, and he follows up because there's more in Matthew I want to get toward the end. So he rejoiced in that same hour, and he said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent. And and prudent means just people with understanding, you know. And prudence is not always bad, with the exception of when Christ teaches it in the way that it is, that when people think they know something, but they really don't. And... uh, so he says, Thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and has revealed them unto babes. 
Even so, Father, for, for so it seemed good in thy sight. And then he says, all things are delivered unto me. <clears throat> the Son of God had the whole work of salvation delivered to him. And also, the Son of God had the whole work of establishing his church delivered to him. All things are delivered to me, Jesus says. All power is given unto me. Uh, the Son of God does not share this with anybody. I mean, not, not this power here. Now, he, had, he could give the apostles power to do things. But he never gave the apostles power. One time, will you find in the scriptures, well, did he give the apostles the power to forgive sins? That is not in their power to do. Now, you say, what about the book of John, uh, 21st chapter? You know, we'll, we'll talk about that. If you've got a question, I'll be glad to answer. Uh, <clears throat> so, the, so the Lord Jesus Christ never gives the power to forgive sins, nor does He give the power to anybody to atone for sins. Uh, nor does He give the power to anybody to make His offering acceptable to God before it's applied to the sinner. He simply has power over death, hell, your sins and mine, and the sins of all God's elect, he has power over all of that. And, uh, and, and he, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, issued that power that nobody else can when he died on the cross for your sin. So, all things are delivered to me of my Father. And then he says, and no man knoweth the Son. You know, we, there, there are signs everywhere uh, in, in the, on the billboards and on, on, on church signs. Uh, some of them says, know God and make Him known. Some says, come, come to know me. You know, these signs that, that, that give instructions for us to know God at our own beck and call. Apparently, they don't understand the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. No man, Jesus says, can know, or no man knoweth, no man knoweth the Son, but the Father knows the Son. That's obvious. Everybody would agree with that, right? That God the Father knows God the Son. But no, no other man does. You say, well, you can just come to know Him at your beck and call. You cannot do that. And, and now, now Christ is laying out a series of things here. And, and what I want to really get to, I want, to, I want you to understand is that, that Jesus just doesn't have power and yield His power on us and then not give us something that we need while we are afflicted with His power. And I, I do mean afflicted. Because when the Spirit of God enters into one of His children, there is afflictions in that individual that they never had before. Christ will address them. Christ will also give us the answer. So no man knoweth the Father, or no man knoweth the Son, he says, but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father with the exception of the Son. That, that makes sense too, doesn't it? And he, to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Now, the Son of God has taken all power to know God the Father as the Father. I, I mean, you can know him as God. Everybody knows him as God. It is obvious that there is a God. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, in the book of Romans, first chapter of the book of Romans, Paul addresses that. 
He says, For they did not like to retain their knowledge of Him as God, but they made to themselves uh, images of four-footed beasts, lion birds, and all sorts of things, uh, because they were willingly ignorant that He is God. And they did not give Him the glory that He deserved. All mankind, I'm talking about all mankind, including the dead sinner, owes God thankfulness for being God and giving the blessing to this life. But to know Him as Father cannot be known with the only exception of the revelation from God Himself to the sinner when He afflicts the sinner by joining Himself to Him. Alright, and then Christ... So if you say, well, I don't, I, I'm not afflicted that way. I don't know what you're talking about. Now, I hope that's not anybody's case in here. I don't expect it is. But there are people that the, uh, the psalmist David addresses concerning the wicked. They are not in trouble or afflicted. Neither are they plagued. So some people can, can have an enjoyment of sin and don't bother them. Some people can, um, can deny God and don't bother them. They, they, have no, they, they have nothing in them to contradict them. All right, so, so the Son of God says, once this happens, though, once, once I reveal Him to you, now I'm going to tell you what you're going to need from me. This is only after the revelation of the Spirit and the child of God. This is only after He is a new creature, after the affliction has happened, after one is born again, then Jesus Christ tells us what we need. Those under this type of afflictions and trials within themselves, Christ gives us the remedy. But He don't just give us a remedy and... uh. And that's it. He, there, there's Now what I mean, he don't give us a remedy and that's it. What I mean is this is not a one and done type of rest. You'll never, you'll never gonna, you're never going to have this one time and then say, I don't ever need it again because I now understand the doctrine of God's sovereign grace. Now the doctrine of God's sovereign grace does bring rest. Right? It, surely it does. And that's a part of what the Lord is speaking of here. But also, there is a rest that you and I have to find. Uh, and and it, it can only be accomplished, it is only accomplished by the means by which Christ gives us. Alright? It can only be accomplished by the means that Christ... Because if, if, the, if the man does the affliction... The man's going to have to supply the way for comfort, doesn't he? I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. Whoever afflicts, and this is God, he has to supply the way to help that affliction. Now, when I talk about affliction, I, I'm, I'm talking about the, the absolute shame and guilt of your sins. I'm talking about the absolute uh, uh, dread of meeting God face to face, and which you will. We all going to. The dread of meeting God face to face with only your sins and the law to condemn, to, uh, to condemn you. Now only a living child of God understands this. Only an afflicted individual has that dread 
Of the wicked, he says, there are no bands in their death. They have no real worries about it. Now, other than the fact that there might be a thought of wondering what's going to happen when I die. Most people just say, you know, they, they just think you just dissipate and that's it. You know, the spirit just, I guess, goes up like a puff of smoke. Boom, it's gone. Never to be remembered anymore. No, the soul never dies from the wicked or the righteous. The body is the only thing that dies. So the, so the anxiety that a child of God is under is a real one. And, and, it, and, it, and it does not ever really go away. Uh, you can, oftentimes we, I think we, we shun it and we shouldn't. Because to understand it puts you to the need of the rest. Right? To understand your affliction keeps us a constant need of the rest. So, so Christ, the afflictor, supplies the solution. And this is it. Come unto me. No other source. Don't go to mama. Don't go to daddy. Don't go to entertainments. Do not go to your bank account. Do not go to your house, your lands. Do not go to any other source to try to uh, remove the affliction that this man has caused you. Because the man that has caused the affliction gives you the remedy of it. The same one that caused it is the one that's going to give it. He has your solution. And he only has your solution. So the living family of God does not need help to know God. God's children in due time will know him. God says in his covenant of grace concerning those people, his covenant people, that he has loved for all eternity... All, they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. So, so he says, do not go every man to his neighbor, to his brother, and tell him to know the Lord. You, you can't make somebody know the Lord. They all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. And when they do, this is what they're going to need and nothing else. You know, brother... Uh, <laughs> Brother Hart wrote the one of my favorite hymns, and you all know it. Every time I, I, I request that somebody is grinning because that's what I request all the time. Uh, and, 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 and writers of songs, I love it when they, when, they, when they pen it according to the word of truth. So Brother Hart writes, Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, Weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus, ready, stands to help you. Full of pity, love, and power. He can have pity because he knows your affliction. Say, God knows we are but flesh. God understands the, 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 God knows how vain your nature is. God knows how, how sinful and corrupt you are. You will not hide anything from God. Christ knows. And He knows that when there is a righteous nature placed into an unrighteous man, that there's got to be conflict. <laughs> there's got to be. He causes it. So Jesus stands ready to help, full of pity, full of love, and full of power. And then, the, and then the song says, I will arise and go to Jesus. That's not a call to go to heaven, y'all. That's not an invitation to go to heaven. Not an invitation to be born again. 
Brother Hart had it right when he addressed it to the people the same that Christ addresses here. Come, ye sinners, weak and wounded, bruised and mangled by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. Do not expect any carnal improvements in you. It'll never happen. You may, you may promise yourself, and I'm not saying you cannot overcome your sins. Do not say that. Do not mean that I think that. I'm saying that your natural man in you always and will always be enmity against God. It will never be subject. Remember that word subject. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. The carnal mind cannot be in submission or subjection or subject to God's laws. He can't do it. He'll deny it every time. He may have it in the head. But until God writes the laws in the heart and inscribes them in the mind, he'll have it not really and truly in grace. So don't expect that man to ever improve. That man, the best you can do with that man in you, with that nature in you, is mortify his deeds, cover him up, do not yield to him, do not submit to him. Because there is something out here in this worldly system of things that appeals to that side of you and, and to that side only. <clears throat> you know, the, the, the world has, has changed religion. <laughs> you know, it, it, is, uh, there, there, it, it, is, it is simply invited flesh and blood and the Spirit of God to join together in some kind of agreement. And it says, you know, we, we have a... We have a, 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 a confused and distorted view of who God is. Y'all remember the song? I know all of you heard it. Now, now the, the, the real young ones probably had. John Lennon wrote a song called Imagine. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. <clears throat> when people imagine things, it does not make them real. To imagine something does not make that thing real. God looked down and he saw what? The imaginations of the heart of, of, of all men to be what? Only evil continually. You cannot imagine God to be any different than what he is. People imagine him to be like a Santa Claus sitting up there in heaven and, and just, uh, you know, looks down on this earth, and as long as people are having a good time, he's okay with it. As long as people are just, just living like they want to, you know, it, it's okay. You know, that, that's, a, that's an imaginary God. That's, that's making God, that's, that's pulling God down to a way that I perceive him to be because it fits me. It fits me. Now, and Paul warned about things like this. He, he warned Timothy... Uh, he said the time is coming when they, when they will not give heed to the Word of God, but they will, they will heed to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, they're going to get somebody to tell them what they want to hear. That, this is who man is. And, and, we, and we have to be aware of that too because we can do this. The primitive Baptists are no different than anybody else. Your nature is still enmity against God. You do not like to be subject to Him. You do not like to, to yield to Him. 
It, it's contrary to your will. And, uh, <clears throat> and there is a system that, that has been prevailing for 6,000 years since the fall of Adam to contradict God and to make you imagine something about Him that just isn't real. So the Apostle Paul would say things like this to the Corinthian brethren. This, this stands today, y'all, <clears throat> that the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So don't seek them in carnal ways. You have a warfare. If you're born of God, God knows you have a warfare. He's caused it, and He's also going to give you everything you need to take care of it. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. These things are mighty. Your weapons that you have to fight the system and the God of this system are mighty weapons because they're mighty through God. Now what does it do? It pulls down the strongholds, Paul said. Strongholds were set around cities and something to fortify against them when people are going to overtake them. There's a world that tries to overtake you. Right? Surely there is. Surely it has a, surely there's a God of it. So to pull down strongholds and to cast down every imagination, every one of them. To cast down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What God gives His children the power to do because it is mighty power, because it's God in you. You always have to remember, everybody, that He that is in you is greater than He that is in this world. You have a mighty God in you. You have a mighty Savior in you. You have a mighty warrior in you. You can. You must. But it has to be done just just how the Lord Jesus Christ says here. Uh, It has to be according to... To, uh, to His, um, I don't want to say rules, but, but to, to His words and His will. That's, that's a better word. To His will. <clears throat> because, you know, I, I know what the system is. I have a part of me that loves it. But that part that loves the system of this world will never bring what Christ says here that we need. Now, Jesus never denied the fact that the world will give you peace. Jesus Christ says that He said it plainly when He said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. So He says the world's going to give you a peace. But He said, It is not mine. The world's going to make you spiritually lazy, it's going to make you imagine God to be something that really isn't. It's going to make you think that God really doesn't care. That, that, uh, he's as, that God's arbitrary, changes when He needs to change to adapt to us. That, that always leads. And, and, and that's why folks don't have rest today. I mean real rest. People are, are aggravated. They're angry. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, they turn to drugs and alcohol. The only solution for the Lord's people, I say to the Lord's people, is this. There can be no other source of rest for God's children than the one that afflicted them, and that is Christ when He says, Come unto Me, 
All ye that labor and are heavy burdened or heavy laden. Now, how does he know we're that way? He made us that way. That's, that's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, God knows. You know, that, that word of God, Jesus Christ, uh, Paul talks about him like a powerful two-edged sword, sharp. You know what he does? He divides. He comes in, Paul says, he goes asunder and divides to the joints and the marrow right in, right in your inside. And guess what he does? He is a discerner of your very thoughts and intents of your heart. Brings them open to you. He knows them all himself. And he, and he illuminates them to you. And how dreadful that is. To have that kind of uh, fear that God knows your most corrupt, sick, disgusting, vile, vain feelings and thoughts. And yet He loves you anyway. That's, that's amazing love. And that's why we talk about, that's why we sing amazing grace. <clears throat> and I will give you rest. Now, take my yoke. You know what a, what a yoke does? A yoke ties two things together. So, so back, uh, you know, when people farmed years ago, they farmed with animals. You know, and they, they might have, in the, in the gospel days, uh, it was oxen. And you would, you would yoke, I mean, it's like getting, you know, we call it horsepower. We, we would use mules, you know, we, we, just, we bred the donkey and the horse together. We got this big old strong animal one very smart, big old strong animal called mule. And you team two mules together and it, and, and it pulls a plow, but they're, they, they, they're yoked together so that one cannot outdo the other. They're, they've got to be walking together. And, and so that one can't turn this way and the other go this way. They've got to go together. Now, Jesus does not say, let me take your yoke upon me. That's imaginary thinking. In other words, he doesn't say, I want, uh, let's, I've got one, you've got one, let's just put ours together, let's see if we can work through this together. No. He says, you take my yoke upon you. In other words, you, you, you yoke up with me. Alright? Because I will only lead you to the rest that I can only give you. I will only lead you away from the God of this world. Jesus said concerning this world, uh, and, you know, he prayed for his disciples. Do you ever wonder how, why the Savior of these people prayed for them? It's, it's for us. It's for us to understand the care and that, and that he had to expose himself to this world that was his enemy. It's yours too. It is not your friend. And so the writer uh, uh, says, is this vile world a friend of grace to bring us on to God? No, it's not. There's nothing, there's not a thing in this system uh, called the world right now that brings you to this rest. In fact, it's going to rob it from you. It's going to strip you and you will not even know it. That's how clever the devil is. You won't even know that it's happened to you. You just find yourself in a cold, careless, indifferent place concerning Christ and His church. You'll find yourself, uh, uh, you know, seeking 
all kinds of, uh, of, of, uh, of entertainments here or there. It's whatever it is to satisfy. Saturate with me. Saturate me. You know what? There's no room for the Son of God, an individual that is saturated. I know what it's like to be saturated. And, 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 and you know, I'm telling you, folks, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you for a reason. He will lead you right. And he says, learn of me. Now, before I keep going here, let's go to the second chapter, I mean, to the second Corinthians, um, sixth chapter. Now, this is, a, this is what we are not to be yoked with. Now, Christ says, Yoke with me now. The Apostle Paul will not contradict the words of Christ. Uh, in fact, no writer of the Bible contradicts the words of Christ. So in the 6th chapter of the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul says to them, to a church, to a gospel church, a people, a body of baptized believers, be not unequally, this is the 14th verse, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now that, that is a warning for us because there's full of the, the world is full of unbelievers. In fact, even God's children can be unbelievers to a degree. God's children may not believe everything that Jesus says because what Jesus says doesn't fit them. Y'all, y'all remember when the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, when, you know, when <laughs> the longer he preached on this earth, the less followers he had. That's, 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 that's the truth. The, the longer he went, the less followers he had. How many people do you read about in the Scriptures under the, in the four Gospels where they said there were multitudes come to be fed by Christ? 5,000 here, uh, you know, 7,000 here, multitudes over here, multitudes over here. How many was in the church at Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost? About 120. That's not that many. Not that many. The longer he preached, the less followers he had because he told them what they didn't like to hear. And yet they were called his disciples. So by the time he got to the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, it says concerning his disciples, they said, these are hard things. Who can hear them? And many of his disciples walked no more with him, were not yoked up with him. Not willingly yoked. Did not submit. Which mind do you think governed them? Is it the carnal mind that's not subject to the law of God? Absolutely. That was what was governing those people because he told them something that they did not want to hear even though what he told them was truth. And it would have been good for them. It would have been better for them. But the longer he preached, less disciples he had. They just quit walking. Just quit walking. Now, he says, do not be... But now, now we, we have to say that they were disobedient children of God. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells the Hebrews in the, in the third chapter of the book of Hebrews, and this, this is how he, he starts off the third chapter, all right? He starts the third chapter this way. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. That sounds like somebody's God's child, doesn't it? Sounds like somebody that, that has an affliction, now, during all of that, and I, I, you know, I'm not going to make it there. I thought I might, but I'm not going to make it there today. But I do want to get this and in, 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 uh, put this plug in concerning that scripture. All right. 
He says, wherefore, brethren, this is a little later, wherefore, brethren, let us fear, lest there, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. It happened in the gospel times. It happens today. Do you ever think about let us fear? You know, there are times in the scriptures that God that we are told to fear. There's another time he says, let us fear lest a promise being left us. Any of you should seem to come short of it. Let us fear lest an evil heart of unbelief be in any of us in departing from the living God. You know how that comes? He tells us. He says that your heart will not be hardened toward God through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin will make your heart hard toward God. It will. And it's a deceitful heart you have already. <laughs> and it enjoys sin. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Your own heart will lie to you. It'll imagine something about God that isn't true. It'll say, Jesus don't care about this. God don't care about this. God don't care about this. God don't really care about His kingdom. God don't really care about Buffalo Church. God don't really care about the way I live. God don't care. That's imagination. That is your deceitful heart. I've got one, guys. I've got one just like you. Mine is just as deceitful. It tells me what I want to hear. But that's not what Christ is saying. And Paul says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers because they make you hard. They can make you hard and hardened toward God. And you may be one of those. You may be one of those unbelievers that make somebody else hard toward God. That's, that ought to make you be afraid that you're taking a child of God away from the service of God but what you're teaching them or from, from the glory of God. And, and all of this, it, you, gotta, you kinda gotta put it in perspective, okay? So, so let's think of this this way. Let's, let's get a practical uh, example. All right, let's say that you, if you're, if you're a, a, a father or a mother, let's say your child turns 16, and you get them a brand spanking new, 2022, they probably make them now, 2022 Jeep Wrangler. Nice looking Jeep Wrangler, Wrangler, solid black, bells and whistles. You pay $50,000 for it. $50,000, which is probably what it costs, I'm not sure. I, you know, I still drive an old Ford, but... Uh, $50,000 for a brand new truck, not a scratch on it. Beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, Jeep. You give it to your child, and that very night, your child gets out, takes that Jeep mudding, slings mud all over the place. It slides into a tree, puts a dent here. It slides into a tree, puts a dent there. He goes right, or she, it could be the girl too, goes right on through the woods, scratching that thing up, it is covered with mud, scratches, dents all over it. I doubt mama and daddy is going to say, I'm glad you had a good time. I doubt it. I doubt they go out and say, as long as you had a good time, I'm okay with that. Why? That Jeep cost you something. It cost you something dearly. $50,000 for somebody to have no more respect for what that cost you would make you mad. You'd probably take the keys away. I, I'd, I'd say all of us probably say, listen, you're going to pay for every damage done to this thing. Every dent, every scratch, you're going to, you're going to pay it out of your allowance or, or, or whatever that um, your means of support. You're going to get a job. You're going to get three jobs. You're paying for this. 
Because it costs something. Just imagine what God sees concerning His children. There is no greater cost than what was paid for your body and your soul which belongs to God. Don't dirty it up. Don't get out and be unequally yoked together with worldly-minded people and so that, so that you become one of those who teach things wrong. You're a lot more valuable than that Jeep would be to us, to God. But God will not take it lightly that you purposely and intentionally take your body, your soul out into this world and affix yourself to all sorts of ungodly behavior when that soul had to be paid for and that body had to be paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't be unequally yoked together, Paul says, with unbelievers, because what fellowship hath a righteous nature in you, which is Jesus, with unrighteousness of this world? There is none. You'll never make Jesus happy. You'll never, you'll never make him a, a Uh, the world appealing to Him. You'll not make that side of you that God dwells in you enjoy sin and corruption. You just won't. That part in you that is God desires the spiritual things. That's what makes you desire it. That is the rest that it gives. And that that is the yoking up that it teaches. Christ says, you be yoked with me, not with unbelievers. You don't be yoked with the world. You be yoked with me, and you will not dirty up that Jeep. <laughs> that Jeep's going to be all right. That, that, your body and your soul is going to be exactly where I intend it to be. You just follow me. You yoke up my yoke upon you, and you learn. You learn of me. To learn about something, you have to study it. You have to study what you learn about. You know, uh, we had a, uh, an electrician, and uh, I really didn't like him that much. He was an arrogant fellow. I felt sorry for him. He had had a brain tumor. I don't know why I even told that part, but he did. <clears throat> and, but he lived. But he, he was arrogant as he can be. And, 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 but he always came, he'd always come up and he'd say, you know, I, I was born electrician. That's why I was born electrician. I came knowing, you know. And he went, and he, I guess he was good. I was an apprentice. I mean, he's a lot better than I was. <clears throat> but nobody comes knowing. He had to learn. He went through an apprenticeship just like I did. All right? The only teacher for you in the, in the work of righteousness is the righteous Savior. You are going to be the apprentice. You will never be his teacher. The Lord is never under the servant. The servant is always under the Lord. Now I sent that text out, uh, that uh, messenger yesterday that Brother brother Paul Blair sent. And this is a simple, and I I just thought, wow, this kind of fits my thoughts. In, uh, In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says to his disciples, Why do you call me Lord and you do not the things which I say? Because the assumption is, if you call him Lord... You're putting yourself in a position of a servant. But if you don't do what he says, Jesus says, then why are you calling me Lord? When you, when you don't do what I say, how can you call me Lord? You're, you're governing your own self. Your own mind is governing you. Your own will is governing you. Your own desires are governing you. So why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why would you call Jesus Lord and not be ye, uh, 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 yoked up with the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Alright? Why, why would we do that? Because that's assuming that we think He's Lord. And that we're His servant. <clears throat> now, to learn of Jesus Christ, you simply got to read. You got to read your Bibles a little bit. You got to get these books and, and, and go, to the, go to the letters in red. They are wonderful. Now, that's not all that is in this Bible. Alright, that's not all. That, in fact, you know, Christ gets these, Christ gets this actual language from the book of Jeremiah. When he said then, back years ago, to the to the Israelites, to, to which we are the spiritual Israelites, he says, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, wherein is the good way, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And they answered him, we will not stand. And then he says, I have sent you the watchman, the preacher. They have declared unto you what I have said. And the answer is, we will not listen to the watchman. Now, there are all different kind of preachers, y'all. There are preachers that would tell me exactly what I wanted here if I was going to go somewhere else. I could find somebody to tickle my ears. I can find somebody that imagines God to be a certain way. I can find somebody that would not tell me that I'm even doing wrong about anything. God accepts all kinds of things. You can find that kind out there. But if you, if you want a, 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 a preacher that rightly divides God's Word, I hope I'm that for you. If I am not that for you, I beg of you, get you one. Get you one. That's what you need. You don't need somebody just to tell you what you want to hear. I don't need that either. I need somebody to tell me what I need to hear. Jesus Christ will always tell us what we need, whether we like it and want it or not. It is going to be for our good. Yoke yourself up with Him and follow Him. Now, you go read in the, uh, in the, in the book of Luke, it says, as he was 12 year old, so people who are young, we say, well, you know, being young is, is, uh, it gives me an advantage of not serving God. No, it doesn't. Now, you've got to be a believer. That is the stipulation. You've got to be a believer, old enough to know what belief is, so, so a little born baby cannot be baptized. You can't baptize a six-month-old infant. They cannot believe. You don't know what their thoughts are. You have no idea who they are quite yet. Now, I, I tried to talk a five-year-old Chloe out of being baptized for a long time. And she, nope, <laughs> I'm not going, I'm not going to wait. Not going to wait. One of the best members, uh, I, I say that, you're good members. But she's a good member of Buffalo Primitive Baptist Church. Uh, I, and I'm thankful for that. Try to, you know, you can try. So Jesus Christ... Uh, you know, when they, 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 they made their offering and, and Jesus' mother and her father went on a day's journey, Jesus Christ tarried back in Jerusalem. They turned back, so it was one day to get back, and it was three days later, four days they found Jesus Christ. Guess where he was? Jesus Christ was in the house of God, teaching the lawyers and the doctors. And they were amazed at his answers. Well, they should have been. He is, he, this is his house. He knows all about the law. They're not going to get anything on him. He was the author of that law, both the Mosaic law and the ceremonial law, not the Pharisaical law that they made up themselves. He had nothing to do with that. A lot of times we make up things ourselves. 
that God has nothing to do with. And his mama says, why is it? Why is it? I don't think she got on to him. She's just scared. Just scared. Why is it, son, that you have done this for thy father and I have sought for thee sorrowing? And he says, Wished you not, or how is that that you sought for me? Wished you not, or understand you not, that I must be about my father's business. And he wasn't talking about Joseph. He, Joseph was a carpenter, Jesus was too. That was his natural occupation on this earth. But there is a superseding business that every child of God has, and it is with the Father. It is not, and my, my girls, it is not with me. My natural father my, was not with Kenneth Lofton for me. There is a business that every child of God has with the Father. That never changes. You never, you never get out of that vocation. So Paul says, walk worthy of the vocation or the employment or the business that you are called into. You've got to walk worthy of it. How do you do that? You yoke yourself with Christ. So first of all, you, uh, you, just, you say there's a business with the Father. So <clears throat> find out what that business is. Uh, that business is to serve God. <coughs> there is no other reason that you're on this earth right now than to glorify God. Now, you may, uh, He may bless you with a good job, may bless you with this, good health. He may bless you with a lot of things, but there is no other reason that exceeds and excels the reason why you are on this earth and alive in Christ Jesus right now than to serve and glorify your God in heaven, the very thing you're going to do whenever you leave this world. You think God expects anything different while we're in this world? No, we're to be separate from the world. And it's why, uh, come out from among them, saith the Lord, why touch ye the unclean thing? The Father's business is your business and my business. And it's, it's never going to change. And God doesn't, he doesn't, uh, uh, he doesn't change his, his style. You know, it's the same business that Christ has, same business the apostles had. Same business we sang the song, Faith of Our Fathers Living Still. In spite of dungeons, fire and sword. That business cost them their lives. A lot of people died on this earth for the business you and I had the privilege of doing it here today with nobody out here. Nobody. We take that for granted. That, that's not been always the case with God's children on this earth. Let's not take for granted we have the ability to do God's business. So to learn of Christ, to be yoked with Him, first thing you know is, I've got to be about my Father's business, so do you. So do you. And then you follow Jesus Christ just a, just a little while longer in, in His life, and, and when He first came onto the scene, after there was, a, you know, there was a, 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 about a, a 20 year or 18 year pause from this time that we hear the words of Christ to the next time that we hear the words of Christ. And guess what he's doing? He's going to be baptized. Folks say, well, you know, getting baptized don't get you to heaven. It does not get you to heaven, friends. <clears throat> but I will tell you this. <clears throat> that being yoked with Christ will put you in the water if you are a believer. 
That's where Christ will lead you. He, that's where He will lead you to. He will lead you, as we hear at Buff, uh, Buffalo, He'll lead you to the Buffalo River. Right? He's going to put you in a place that makes you bring Him glory. And when an individual gets into the water, and they are they, the emblem of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, there's not another greater thing, not a greater thing on this earth you'll ever do than being baptized in the name of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. My friends, that is what Christ being yoked with, with Christ will lead you to do. And, and there, you know, there were never really pauses in the Bible. When you, when you read in the Bible concerning the gospel, just like with the eunuch, Philip, uh, he, he went and joined himself to the eunuch. And the eunuch right after, you know, right after Philip got done preaching Christ out of the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, he says, look, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? What did the jailer say to the Apostle Paul the very night when he, when he beat him and then he brought him out, when the, when the Lord brought him out, and there he was washing all of his, uh, his, his wounds and, and heard him preach, and it says, and he was baptized and all his house straightway didn't wait. What about Lydia, the cell of a purple, when God opened her heart? She was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, told the apostles, if you have found me worthy... Please abide in my house. I want to hear more about this. <clears throat> Jesus had an appointed time to be baptized. All of his time was fixed and set and appointed. And there is, let, let's, let's say this. When Jesus Christ was baptized, he was the Son of God before he went into the waters, was he not? When he came out of that water, he was still the Son of God. If somebody is baptized properly, if you are a believer, a true believer in Christ, you are a child of God, yoke yourself up with Jesus Christ, enter to that water, uh, uh, come out, do not worry about what the world's going to say. Do not worry about people saying, well, or don't worry about yourself, saying, thinking that I, I can't do this. You can. If you stay with Christ, if you're yoked with Christ, as soon as you're baptized, guess what? He got tempted 40 days and 40 nights. You're going to get it too. But you know what he conquered that with? You know what he overcame the temptation of Satan other than the fact that he had no sin? But he gives us these things for us. He quoted him scriptures. The Word of God is your best adversary. Um, is, your, is, is your best defense against your adversary. The Word of God is your best defense against your adversary. Uh, uh, take the Word of God and study it. That's, that's being yoked with Christ. That's learning. That is learning of Jesus Christ. Now, it, it may keep you. No, it will keep you from a lot of carnal pleasure that you may really have. It may make you make tough decisions. It never has been easy. Never will be easy. The only, only time that it is made easy is when the imaginations of men change. Change the way God commands us to serve and walk before Him. That's when it, if you find it to be easy, rest assured you are not yoked with Christ. Jesus Christ had no easy time in this world. No easy time whatsoever. You follow Christ on in his life, and guess where he was? He was with his disciples. What was he talking about? Well, he was talking about himself. There ain't no better subject for him to talk about than himself. 
So when we talk, we ought not talk about ourselves, but ought to talk about Him. That's being equally yoked with Christ. The Son of God was, uh, when, he, when He left us an example on this earth concerning all things, of how, so, so John would say this, If any man saith that he is in Christ, he ought to walk even as Jesus walked. What you ought to do. Now you say, I don't really want to do that. You will not get this rest. This rest comes only truly. It is a found rest. Now, remember, the Lord says, I am meek. Do you know what the word meek means? It, it means to be of a humble, contrite heart. It also means, this, this is the Greek um Definition, because that's what the, 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 the New Testament was written in. It also means to be yielding and to be submissive to a higher power. To be yielding and submissive to a higher power. So if, if, uh, if somebody is meek, they simply say, what would you want me to do, God? That's what Paul said, didn't it? Lord, what would thou have me to do? If you want to find a, a good example of somebody who yoked themselves with Christ, the Apostle Paul was one. You say, well, I don't want that kind of life. That puts me in with God's people all the time. Well, that's where you should be. That's where you should be, with the Lord's people. I don't want that kind of life because, you know, Paul got beaten. Well, we don't have that right now, y'all. We are we don't, that part we are right now we're out of that. <clears throat> Paul Paul, I don't want that because Paul said he had to lose everything. Yes, you do. So so why do you call him Lord and do not the things that he says? Why would anybody say Lord Jesus and then not do what he says? You're you're basically saying you're really not my Lord. I am my own Lord. I will walk like I want to. I'll do like I want to. I am not so meek as you are. But I love you anyways. That is not serving God. That is not what Christ... And that will not yield the comforts that only Jesus can give to, to, uh, to the afflicted soul that He's afflicted Himself. So he says, learn of me. I am meek. And I am lowly. In heart. This, this goes right on down to your heart. That goes past your words. Jesus Christ says concerning words, with their words, they do honor me, but their heart is far from me. Do not let your heart get far from God. Do not let your heart be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. In other words, don't be yoked unequally with the world and the unbeliever. Yoke yourself with Christ. Learn of Him. He was, he was submissive. He was yielding to the Father's will. He did not question anything that God appointed him to do. And God appoints you to do things, y'all. He, he appoints me to do things. It's his business to. It's his business to. What? Know ye not that you're not your own, but you're bought with a price? Therefore glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are both his? It's his business. So in the, in the book of, uh, I'm going to give you just one more couple of scriptures. We're going to draw this to a close. In the book of Psalms, the 25th Psalm. So, so you can see that the theme 
the theme doesn't change through the Bible. Whether you're talking Old Testament or you're talking New Testament, it's the same theme. All right. So notice in the ninth verse of the 25th Psalm, the meek, the meek. In other words, the yielding, the submissive, the humble, who will yoke themselves up with the Lord. The meek will He guide. Sounds like if if you're yoked with Christ, He's going to lead you right. The meek will He guide in judgment. The meek will He teach His ways. Because remember, it's His yoke, it's His ways. Submission to Him simply says, He's Lord and you're not. I'm not. I must serve Him. I'm I'm the servant. He's the master. And He says Himself, the servant is not above his master all the paths of the lord and uh, uh, all the paths of the lord are mercy and truth unto such that keep his covenant and his testimonies who's willing and yielding for thy name's sake o lord pardon my iniquity not because of uh, um, of any great individual <laughs> but only for thy name's sake for my iniquity is great for what uh, what man is he that feareth the lord Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. You remember the Beatitudes? The third Beatitude? Jesus says what? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the yielding. uh, uh, Those who are uh, submissive to the divine power. Those whose hearts are humbled because I have broken them. Right? Right? What do they inherit? They inherit the earth. Does that mean this land out here? No. The new heaven, the new earth, the church that come down from heaven that is on this earth right now, this is what you inherit. Your inheritance are with Christ. There are spiritual things. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him and He will show them His covenant. Isn't that special? I mean, when God shows the covenant of grace, not just that you know it, but to know that you have a part in it. Because that's what this rest yields, y'all. The rest, the rest that Christ gives yields to you that you are His child and you have a part in this covenant that God had formed in eternity long, long time before He ever created this earth. Salvation is not a new thing. That's not a new thing at all. God has intended to, always intended to, save a people for His name's sake. God knew the end from the beginning. God knew Adam's fall. God knew this before He even created the world. So so Christ was your surety and your pledge that God had uh, before the world began. In other words, Christ already agreed to this. He already agreed. God made this known for the first time to the serpent. Remember He says, And he shall, uh, 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 you shall bruise his head, and he shall bruise thy heel. There's going to come a time when Satan is going to be pushed and squashed out of the way when the Son of God goes to the cross and death and hell and sin and everything that Satan through his own life brought uh, 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 to Adam through which the sin entered into the world because Adam was given the commandment. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to, is going to uh, destroy the works of Satan. That's the kind of Savior you have. That's Him in a nutshell. He is a victorious Savior. And He alone will give you rest. He will show you your interest in His covenant. That you have a true interest in it. A true interest. And your soul will dwell at ease. You will not be yoked with this world. You'll be yoked with Him. An individual that's yoked with Christ is a happy individual. 
They might not be the most wealthy. They might not be the most popular. But they will be the happiest individuals on this earth. So, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I am meek and I am lowly. If he's that way, guess what? We should be that way. You say, I can't. Yes, you can. You can, friends. If Christ dwells in you, you can be just as lowly and just as meek as he is. You say, well, he didn't have his nature like I've got a nature. No, he didn't. He did not. And your warfare is different. He had, he had a war to fight, but it was different. His cross was different than your cross, but you got a cross to bear. You have a burden. But guess what? He says, it's light. My yoke is easy. Do not think this is going to, uh, this is going to rob you of many worldly things, and you're going to be all sad, and life's not going to be no good anymore. This is when your life really begins to be happy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'll give you, uh, you shall find rest. It is a found rest that God's people have got to look for. They have got to look for it. And they look for it by being yoked with Christ. You be yoked with Christ, you got a business, it's the Father's. You be yoked with Christ, enter into the waters of baptism, taking up your cross, follow Jesus Christ in the gospel kingdom on this earth. Do not yield it up to all the world and all of its fancies. Do not do it. Find yourself with the Lord's people. Study the Word of God. Pray. Worship. All according to the Word that Jesus Christ gives us in the Scriptures. Don't be tempted to change up religion. God's religion. God's business. God's church. Don't think there's a better and brighter place out there more fun and exciting. The church was never meant to be fun and exciting, y'all. The church was intended to glorify the creator of it and to, and to benefit your afflicted soul in it and to draw us together in fellowship with one another and other primitive Baptists alike. May God bless the church on this earth for until the longest time stands. I hope it will be right here at Buffalo till the Lord comes back. May God bless each and every one of you.